My toes were being stomped on, and I felt uncomfortable asking myself, how is my vision? Do I have impaired vision? Is it blurry, or is it crisp and clear, or is it somewhere in between? I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to come up with three lessons that we could all walk away with, challenging us to grow closer to our Lord, but also lessons that would help us grow closer as sisters. I was getting excited. I was ready to share. I was ready to hug, and then COVID. That's my least favorite, most said saying is, and then COVID. Well, we had to cancel about a week, maybe two weeks before COVID, everything shut down. And I was sad because I wasn't going to get those hugs and I wasn't going to get to share. But honestly, I was bummed that I had poured all my heart into lessons that were being wasted. Hours that I studied collected my thoughts down the drain. Then it hit me square in the face. I pouted a little bit, but man, was my focus wrong. That's what the theme is, is our 2020 vision. After months of preparing for the lessons of where our focus could be, I had it wrong. I thought these lessons were for you guys. They were for me. I've heard it time and time again from the pulpit, from my husband, from other preachers. If I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. Or I learned more about preparing for this lesson than you will ever from hearing it. And it's true. I grew. I studied harder than I had ever before. It wasn't a waste. God used it to teach lessons to me. And then two years later, (laughs) I think Vernita has used it Yeah, you want to sit down, have a cup of coffee? (laughs) Will you speak? Will you pull those lessons out again? Dust them off? Come speak with us? And I was excited. I was like, it's all done. My lessons are done. I don't have to do anything. I could just come to Alaska and visit my sisters. Yeah, that's not how God works. (laughs) He wants us to continue to grow. He wants us to not sit back and take the easy route. Growth can be uncomfortable but it's gratifying, and it's one of the most important things that God has in store for us. Besides, what was I thinking? The past two years, just like everybody else, our focus has changed. I used a little bit of my original lessons, but I've grown. I've changed. I read some of my notes. I'm like, what was I thinking? I was dogmatic where God wasn't dogmatic. I was making statements that it should have been prefaced with, I think, or I can imagine, instead of, this is what God said. I grew. In fact, I threw my entire third lesson out (laughs) because I was unhappy with how it flowed. I guess we're all our own worst critics, but I'm hoping that through the last few months that I can bring you something more. I can bring you something that will help um, just bring you closer to the Lord But I'm the one that needed that spiritual workout. I needed to be focused again. The last year, I've never cried harder, prayed more, or needed to trust more in my life. So for those of you that don't really know me, because I know that there's new faces out there, um, my husband and I were in Nikiski for 12 years working with a congregation down there, and Sai was the preacher. We were blessed, 
And we changed, we grew, but with time, we changed, we grew. (laughs) With a lot of prayer and more tears, we decided to move to Florida and um, work with a small congregation on the East Coast. We had a vision. We were going to hit the ground running. We were going to move. Even though it was in the middle of the pandemic, we were going to grab attention of those that hadn't come back, um, that were still depressed and isolated. We were going to, we were going to pull them back in. We were going to have a beautiful house. I was going to set it up. We were going to have Bible studies and game nights and, and invite our neighbors. I mean, we're, we're no longer in Nikiski. We have, actual next-door neighbors that are right next door. (laughs) So we were excited. We had a plan, and it was a beautiful picture. But as Mike Tyson said before his fight with Evander Holyfield, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. (laughs) And boy, was it a hard punch. The housing market went crazy. Um, We ended up staying with members of the congregation uh, for a total of five months before finally closing in the house. So there was a half a year gone, no homes to host, no homes to invite our new family in, no game game nights, and no barbecues. We had had relied on God in the past for big moves, and we knew that God wasn't going to make us, you know, go hungry or not have a roof over our head or clothing on our back, but sometimes we just don't know what that's going to look like, and so it was a little frustrating and scary, not knowing if we had moved just to have to move again, but that wasn't the hardest part. Hey, really stupid. I'm sorry. Um, I was told I had breast cancer just a couple months after moving there. So that was a loop. I've got a tissue in my pocket. <laughs> I came prepared. Um, sorry. So our, our focus had to change. Our vision had to change. What we were doing was going to change. I didn't know how I was going to do this. So I did what I could. I walked. I walked, and I walked, and I walked, and I walked. I was the Fitbit Challenge champion every single week. (laughs) Um, Walking about 10 miles a day was my average. I prayed, I cried, I sang a lot of songs. Some songs now get me choked up because it's what I sung. (laughs) I made phone calls, I did a lot of texting. I'd get phone calls from friends that I would just burst into tears, and they would apologize. Like, no, I needed that. <laughs> she knows who I'm talking about. But most of all, I had to beg. I had to beg God to soften my heart, to keep it soft. Because I've seen faithful women walk away, and I didn't want to be one of those. I didn't need to focus on the what ifs. I didn't need to focus on the woes me's. I need to keep my focus on Him. And that was my prayer. That was what I would beg. Um, so. Every step, I would look what God did for me. Every step. You know, we thought we were moving down there for Psy and for the boys and, you know, just a new adventure. And it was, it was for my health. I had the best, the best. And I, I had to shout that up off the rooftops because God did that. He led me to the best doctors. He gave me peace with every decision I had to make. He showed me how powerful prayer is. He showed me how much his family loves me and how much he loves me. I could not keep the same focus I used to have. I had I had to change. God has taken me through this, and I need to focus on him. 
So, as you can see, my lessons from two years ago had to change. (laughs) My prayer this time around, as I make the lessons, is I paint an even better and more crisp picture of how we can recognize our vision problem, how we can refocus, and how we can recognize what we need to do for our brothers and sisters around us, and also how to recharge and stay charged. Our vision is important. What we focus on is important. As a kid, I remember you know, walking around being blind and seeing if I could get around the house because I just knew I was going to be blind someday. I don't know why. <laughs> but as a young kid, I recognized immediately how important our vision is. And then I start thinking back about the things that I was blessed to see. Sai waiting for me at the front of the church, big old goofy grin on his face. The first time I got to lay eyes on my babies. My son... The same thing watching his bride walking down and the same goofy grin on his face and and love in his eyes. Got to watch my grandparents holding hands and my parents laughing together. The mountains, the oceans, the art that God has created. I'm sure you get the picture. (laughs) People go through great lengths to see clearly, to be able to focus. Some methods may be quick, like glasses and contacts. Others involve exercise or medicine and corrective eye surgery. But as a whole, we understand how important our eyes are. Even with physical impairments, we learn in different ways. We, we go through with touch and smell and sound. And they probably lean on others to help see the full picture because we value our sight that much. Tonight I was asked to speak about our spiritual vision problem. Maybe we need to ask ourselves some questions. Do you remember when you first put on Christ? Do you remember the energy you had? Do you remember how much you thirst for more information? Or how excited you were to lead your loved ones to the Lord? Are you just as excited today? I mean, we're daughters of our Lord. Do you think as Christians we can get out of focus and not see clearly the path we've chosen? I mean, the answer is yes, of course. We get distracted, we get busy. Too busy to take care of ourselves, and definitely too busy to take care of others. We can't... Am I still there? Okay, sorry. (laughs) We quit looking at the big picture. We slow down our personal study of scripture. We stop having meaningful conversations with God. We decide we don't really need to be at every event. We tell ourselves, we did our time. It's someone else's turn. We forget that as wives... We need to be upholding our husbands so they can be the leaders. We lose focus and become neglectful to the sisters that need us. The lines get blurry. We stop being an example to our children, telling them to do as I say, not as I do. We have piled too much on our plate to evangelize. We become inconsiderate to those around us, selfish, inactive, apathetic. Maybe we're only struggling with one of those Maybe there's something I haven't mentioned, but our vision is blurry. But we're not alone. We have each other. There's nothing new under the sun. God knows we have struggles, and that's why he gave us his words to study. He gave us an example, our example after example, the good and the bad. Have you ever looked at your brother and sister or sister and thought, why don't they do more? Why aren't they more involved? I have to admit, when I've done that, I get angry, I get resentful. 
because I'm focusing on what they're not doing, and instead of I'm missing out on the joy of serving myself. Let's look at Martha. If we look at John 11:5. It tells the story of Martha, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase. And of course, it's a great story if you haven't read it. Um, but we see, and I'm going to be going back and forth on a couple of them. But um, we see that Jesus loves Martha, her sister, and her brother Lazarus. Martha had Jesus enter her home as a guest. She had complete faith in his ability to heal heal Lazarus from his sickness. And when Jesus didn't make it in time, it seemed like she even had complete faith that all he had to do was ask our Father in heaven, and that would uh, that God would raise Lazarus from the dead. Martha seemed to know Jesus well. She knew that he was the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And we can also see in the scripture that Martha was a servant. When she knew that Jesus was going to be in her home, she got busy. Natural reaction for a lot of us. We have to have everything just so we can't let our guests and our friends, our sisters, see even the tiniest of flaws in our house. We keep forgetting that our guests are here to be with us, not our sparkling clean floors. There's nothing wrong with having a clean house or a meal prepared, but we need to realize that our guests are there to visit with us. Martha's problem was that she stayed busy. She didn't keep focus on why she was preparing the home, and she let the lines blur become, from being a hostess to enjoying her company. In Luke ten 40, we're told that Martha was distracted by all her preparations. While she was wanting to be the hostess with the mostess and making sure her guest was well taken care of, she lost her focus. She allowed her work to blur the lines, and she, gave, she became a neglectful hostess. She had the opportunity to sit before the Lord and learn from him. She had lost sight what was right in front of her. Can you imagine that? I mean, we have the, we have 2020, hindsight 2020. We can't imagine that, but we do it every day. Having the Lord in front of you in the flesh, she lost sight. She didn't recognize she was losing her sight. Instead, she went to Jesus to complain. She wanted Jesus to make Mary help. Jesus responded to her complaint. He could see she was anxious and troubled. He knew that there were too many things in her mind to focus on him. But he reminded her that Mary was in the right. Mary had chosen to sit and listen, and she had chosen the good portion. So what does this look like in our busy lives? Are you anxious about your home, that you have quit inviting people over, or do you just not start to begin with? What is so daunting to even think about about having a, a guest in your home when all you can think about is what needs to get done before they step in your home? Do you cringe when that doorbell rings instead of ex- getting excited when the, um, to fellowship? Let's get even deeper. When you find yourself so busy in your personal life that you put off the Lord, how have you convinced yourself that it's just for today? Could this be in worship, in fellowship, in prayer, in study? What daily tasks are so overwhelming that you feel you're unable to fellowship with those around you? You start excluding your brothers and sisters in Christ from your life. Are you too busy at work that you find yourself too exhausted? What about resentment? Martha seemed to resent her sister. She wanted Jesus to scold her after all. 
What can we remove from our growing plate that we no longer look at our sisters with resentment that they have time to fellowship, to create that bond that we so desperately crave, but we don't? That resentment can cause us to look away from the road that we are traveling, and before we know it, we're lost. So I'm going to switch gears. It's been a long time since my boys were toddlers, but I can remember it like it was yesterday. Mommy, mommy, mommy. And then all of a sudden, they're diving off the couch and into my arms. <laughs> Thankfully, I always caught them, but it could have been pretty bad if I, I didn't. The great thing is, is that we have a father that will always catch us. We jump blindly at him, and he catches us. So that kind of leads me into Peter. Peter reminds me of the boys launching himself with full assurance at the Lord. He had personal relationship with Jesus. He was one of the first disciples the Lord called. He had so much faith, he left everything just to follow Jesus. He was protective to the point of cutting off the man in the, the garden's ear. Um, sorry. It seems like Peter was full of faith. Peter knew Jesus had power to keep him safe. Looking at Matthew fourteen twenty two and following, we see that Jesus had sent Peter and the rest of the disciples on the boat. They were to go to the other side. That wasn't a tiny little lake. And when they got to where it seemed to be a decent distance, a storm kicked up, and their boat was getting beaten on the waves. Jesus walked out to them. First, let's think about that. Jesus walked out to him. When my focus is not on Christ, I want to smack myself. I mean, we have an advocate that can walk on water, sisters. He can walk on water, and he will for us. Anyway, so as you can imagine, they were scared until Jesus announced himself. So when Jesus told Peter to come, Peter obeyed. In fact, Peter asked Jesus to command him to come. He knew, he knew that if Jesus asked, then Jesus would ensure his safety. We aren't told that he wavered. We aren't told he asked, are you sure? He simply got out and walked toward Jesus. And then the storm. It's kind of like, and then COVID. (laughs) Jesus is standing there, and he saw the storm instead of Jesus. He took his eyes off the prize. Jesus wasn't sinking. Jesus was strong and sure, and he knew that he could keep afloat too. Just think of walking one step after the other. But in verse 30, it says, Peter saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Before studying this, it never dawned on me that he simply reached out his hand. It didn't say that he went to him and then reached out. Jesus was right there. Peter was fine. He was fine until he looked at what the wind was doing to the waters around him. He lost focus of the one who was in control. Are we sometimes like uh, Peter? Do we cruise along life, trusting in the Lord, until the wind kicks up? I'd venture to guess that everyone is here because we have a personal relationship with Jesus. We all probably have complete faith that Jesus is exactly who he claims to be. Like Peter, probably all of us know that Jesus is mighty and able. 
why do we lose sight on him and who he is to us? What has dimmed our vision on what he has done for us? Why do we let fears get in our way? So many fears. (laughs) Fears that keep us in our comfort zone. Fears that stop us from sharing the good news. Is it that you don't want to experience the hurt or rejection? Or you don't have the confidence of studying with someone? What about giving credit to God? Is it fear of mocking that stops us? What about fear of change? could look different for each of us. Maybe change is no longer getting drawn into gossip. Maybe change is holding our husband's hand or holding our husbands as spiritual leaders instead of trying to lead the family our own way. Maybe change is a big move that comes with risk financially, but could do wonders for your spiritual walk. Maybe we're holding ourselves back, fearing personal failure. Maybe the fear is becoming a Bible class teacher because you don't feel like you know enough. Maybe it's you're just not good enough of a Christian. You're not a good enough example. Do we worry about things that are out of our control and forget to give it to God? So many fears. Fears can trump our trust in God's provisions. We need to be careful or we will lose focus. During my cancer journey, I was on a lot of support boards. Some good, some not so good. But I would read about women running from their diagnosis. They wouldn't go to the doctors in fear of what they would hear. But it didn't make them not have cancer. It didn't make them healthier. Just because they tried to run from it, it didn't help. There were times I left boards because all I could see was doom and gloom. It seemed like every post was about all the bad things that happened, all the negative side effects from the treatments. It was scary and it was dark. And I only wanted to hear success stories, stories of survival, stories of women soaring through chemo and radiation. Kind of wanted to bury myself and hide. (laughs) But just like it would have been a detriment to my health if I hid and ignored my diagnosis, it is detrimental to my spiritual health if I try to ignore God and lose focus on why we're here. Take a look at Book of Jonah. If you've ever heard the story, you may tend to think of it as kids' lessons, but I think we can we can learn from it too. We might have a little bit more in common with Jonah if we'd like to admit it. We have an example of another godly person. In Second Kings, we're told he's a spokesman for God. He must have had faith, and he appeared to have um, been obedient at least one time of his life. He spoke to God's people, so it must have come to a shock that God asked him to go to speak to the Ninevites. No small journey when you go on foot. But Jonah had his own plan. He didn't seem to think they deserved to hear what God had to say. So instead of going to Nineveh, he decided he was going to hide from God. He takes a ship that is sailing the opposite direction. You know how our small children, they cover their eyes. You can't see them if they can't see you. That's how I kind of envisioned Jonah. He felt if he was far enough away from God, maybe God wouldn't see him any longer. That's how I'm envisioning Jonah. <laughs> maybe, maybe God would forget what he asked him to do. Maybe Jonah was even at peace with his decision because even during a horrible storm, he was able to sleep. It isn't until he's woken by the crew that he realized what's going on and accepts the blame. 
and after being tossed aboard or overboard, swallowed by a big fish, he becomes contrite. He appeals to God's mercy. He begs for forgiveness. Now remember, God has that plan. So the finish, or so the fish vomits Jonah up, and as the story unfolds, Jonah has come to his senses. We think <laughs> his vision seems to have been restored, if only temporarily. He seemed to have woken up and realized his needs for obedience. He travels all over Nineveh, calling out God's warning. Nineveh repents, and Jonah throws a fit. He doesn't think they should get a second chance. He wants God to still wipe them out. He shows his colors by admitting he knew that God would react that way. He knew that God was merciful, slow to anger, and abound in steadfast love. Jonah didn't want to see the Ninevites go free. He declared he would rather be dead. Then he seemed to think that God would come to his senses and change his mind. He went up and watched, and God pointed out to Jonah how unsympathetic he was being. You know, just as Jonah was a spokesman for God, he expects us to be his spokesman as well. How would you rate yourself at this job? Is it easy? If not, what do we find difficult about it? Are we ready all the time or only at the convenience or when it's comfortable? How do you come to the conclusion that someone doesn't want to hear or won't hear the good news? Jonah definitely didn't want to see Ninevites granted mercy. It's something that we need to guard against in our own lives, making that call. In some ways, maybe we're more like Jonah than we would like to admit because we're trying to hide our inaction from God. Are there different ways you can relate to these characters? Have you given any thought that one of these attributes can lead to another, and then another, and then another? And before we know it, we're snowballing down a hill, getting bigger and bigger. It's destructive, and it's destructive to those paths around us. We we become self-serving instead of self-sacrificing. Our vision can be a tricky thing. It can start slowly changing to the point that we don't even notice until we go to our annual eye appointment. Or it could possibly go so quickly that we're making a mad dash to the specialist. God has a perfect vision. Always has, always will. That's why he gives us these examples to learn from. It's why he's given us family to lean on and to gather strength from. It's why we're told to watch out for one another. Ask yourself, how many moments have I missed simply by choosing to be too busy? Will my kids remember my clean kitchen growing up or the times we played Uno for the millionth time, laughing and being silly? Will they remember making meals for those who are sick or shoveling that driveway for the 80-year-old neighbor? Will they remember the smile on those shut-ins that we visited knowing how much it meant to them? Will they remember how we served our Lord together? Will my husband remember that I matched his socks? Or that I purposely set aside precious time to discuss our dreams together? Will he look back fondly on our partnership that we were equally yoked, that we worked for the Lord? Will my sisters remember all the work I put into the resource room to keep it clean and tidy? I mean, don't get me wrong, that's important. (laughs) But will they also remember the times I sat with them when they were in need? Will they see a sister that was an encouragement? Will my friends remember how I was so busy that I declined every invitation? 
Or will they remember that I had a heart of a hostess and enjoyed them coming into my homes? There are so many ways I can lose focus, but God, being so faithful, can help if we allow. Martha was so busy she didn't stop to listen and to learn. Yet God asks us to focus on him, not to forget him. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And Jeremiah 29.13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Martha didn't have it all wrong. She was a servant. She may just have over-focused on that part of her life. But we can't forget that in our walk, we too should be servants. We are called to serve our brothers and sisters. First Peter 4.10 tells us to use our gifts to serve one another. More importantly, Christ himself gave us the ultimate example as he washed the feet of the disciples, even the one that betrayed him. And then in Mark 10.45, we're told, even the Son of Man did not come to serve to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We can see from Martha that resentment causes us to do things we may not normally do, like question Jesus, demand that we get our own way. We're told to put away resentment. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So you see, we need to serve, but focusing on why we are serving so that we can serve in a way that we aren't resentful and we have joy. Just like Jesus expected Peter to conquer his fears by trusting in him, we too need to trust in God. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Psalms 112.7 says, they will, not, or they will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Christ asks us to step out of our comfort zone and spread the good news. <clears throat> Sorry. He'll help us, though. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We are expected to be those examples to those around us. Matthew 5.16 In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We are supposed to give God the glory to seek his approval instead of the approval of man. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all in the glory of God. Colossians 3.23 and 24 Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you'll receive your inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. We are called to be an active faith, an active obedience. James two fourteen through 18. What good is it, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and locked in daily food, and one of you say to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The examples we looked at were God's people. They weren't everyday people, they were God's people. 
They all wanted to be obedient, and they all lost focus. Their eyesight became weak. They stumbled, but they loved Jesus, and Jesus loved them through it. He is a forgiving Savior, full of grace and mercy, and he is the same today as he was yesterday. He loves us even when we lose focus. He shows us grace and mercy just as he showed them. He just asks us to refocus. Just as the eye doctor asks us which is better, one or two, God is asking us to look at the clearer picture so we can focus on his will. Tomorrow we're going to look at how our lives can be focusing on the big picture, how we can be obedient, how we can create good habits, and how we can love Christ as he loves us. When we are faithful, our vision clears. I'm excited to be on this journey with you ladies. We're going to end this segment, and I think I did it on time. I see a clock down here. (laughs) Uh, We're going to end it with a song, I hope. Um, Okay, (laughs) light the fire. And some of you have maybe sung it a thousand times. Maybe you've never heard it and never sung it before. But I would like you to sing it, and I would like you to listen to the words. As we desire to refocus, we need to earnestly seek God's help. God knows we can be weary. He wants to lift lift us up. You are here. You definitely have a spark. Let God fan that into a flame that shines brightly. Let's sing this song to God as a plea to help us refocus on him so we can shine for him. Thank you.